Hi, I'm Lisa Morton, founder of Roland Ransfield PR. Welcome to We Built This City. With this podcast, I wanted to shine a light on the people who have put the heart into modern Manchester. You can build a city with bricks and mortar, but it's the people that make Manchester great. People like the women of Greater Manchester who have been guests on We Built This City. To mark International Women's Day 2021 on the 8th of March, I wanted to celebrate some of the amazing women you've heard from on this podcast over the last 37 episodes. This year's International Women's Day theme is Choose to Challenge. Through challenge comes change and this is in the mission to create gender equality worldwide. All the women I've spoken to over the last year are legacy makers. They have challenged the norm and created change, either by seeing it and calling it, or by having the guts and determination to blaze a trail. They are all role models. Manchester is a city that has famously championed change for women. As my guest, broadcaster Sarah Collins, said... If we're going to talk about equality, we can't not talk about the suffragettes and Emmeline Pankhurst and the Pankhurst family. So it was the Pankhurst sisters who led the suffrage movement from Manchester to change Parliament policy and allow women the vote. This piece of history runs deep through Manchester and as a community, it's something we're proud of. It's one of the events that has shaped our values and created a legacy for Manchester. The world views us as changemakers. And we welcome changemakers with open arms, like the first female chief executive of Manchester City Council, adopted Mancunian Joanne Roney, OBE. That sort of dawned on me that I'm the first female chief executive and uh, this is a, a really good council in terms of strong women and some fantastic elected members here on the executive team that I work with that were just great. So I came into an organisation where I felt empowered from day one as a woman mm-hmm. because I was in that kind of supportive culture and that supportive environment. I have to say some fantastic women in business in this city who wrapped a network around me from the very, very, very start. And I I thank them all, really, some fantastic women colleagues who created that space for me outside of the council to, to kind of learn and grow and talk and develop and experience Manchester mm. in a maybe a safe space. And I think that's grown in me, you know, as I constantly ask myself, what do I stand for? What's important to me? And the words inequality and equality are always in there. And and then I come back to, well, you're the first woman, Joanne. You know, Mm. that's something to make sure you build on Mm. and that that talent development and that approach to equality is writ large through everything you do. Another first woman this city is home to is photographer Sharon Latham. She says her career success is down to being in the right place at the right time with the right lens. But it took some grit and determination to become the first female club photographer in the Premier League at Manchester City. I don't know. I think a lot of creative people have huge self-doubts about themselves and, and belief. And I think that's just part of who we are. And I still, to this day, think, you know, why did they do that? And I still look at the stuff and think, oh, my God, that's my pit. Those are my pictures. It's amazing. I'm amazingly proud of the stuff I did. But you sort of think, oh, God, why did they choose me? What, what, what about it? And you're still, you're still quite humbled by it, really. Definitely. Really creating history there by your work, aren't you? Mm. I mean, Couldn't believe it, what I was getting to photograph as well. There's a link, do you think, between music and sport? Because, I mean, they're both very high energy, aren't they? You're capturing a moment. There's a lot of it's spontaneous. What do you think you enjoy about the two things that are similar? Um, I think, yeah, there is a similarity. 
also as well with football, it's it's a it's quite a male dominated environment, and um, music can also be that. And I think I found myself photographing more male than than female performers in music as well. Even so, I, I don't know what that's all about. I'm not a glue. Maybe it's just animal magnetism. <laughs> <Not sure. laughs> um, yeah, the, the similarity because it's all speed. It is action. It's You've got to wait for a moment. You've got to be in that place and, and be in that right spot. To be part of that team at that time, it must have been an amazing time. I still pinch myself and there, there are key moments and there are key things that happened that I still tear up about now. You know, there's games that are so memorable. There are moments and things that happened that, that weren't just football related that you, you don't ever forget. And I'm never going to forget. And I'm immensely... I'm so chuffed and proud that my images captured those key moments. Change takes time. What Joanne and Sharon have achieved is really monumental, and yet it's still unbelievable that this has happened so recently. There's still a long way to go, which is why this year's International Women's Day Choose to Challenge theme is absolutely right. Here's Sarah Collins again, followed by Diane Modal, MBE, talking about her foundation. I think what's more important is about where society still needs to change. So how important are women in sport as important as anybody else? We need women in all sports. We need more female coaches. We need more facilities for women. We need facilities for women in the areas where actually we do need to get women out and get healthy, active lifestyles in some of the the pockets of Manchester where we don't have them. When my husband and I, Vicente, set up the charity in 2010, it was for one reason and one reason only. It was to provide an opportunity for those young people growing up in social deprivation to fulfil their potential. What we understood was that talent, potential is everywhere, but opportunity is not. So giving back for us wasn't even a discussion. It was, we can see there is a need. How can I and how can we use our experiences as a coach, me as a now retired athlete, to look at what were the challenges that Diane faced as a kid, trying to make her way through this journey of winning gold medals? And when we reflected on that, the same challenges that I was facing still existed and still exist today. So things like the costs of training. So not only have you got to be able to afford a membership fee uh, at a running club, but you've got to pay a subscription, an annual subscription. Uh, Kit is expensive, spikes, trainers, tracksuit, running vest, running shorts and tights. But more importantly, and above all that, a lot of young people, because of the postcodes and where they live, don't have the confidence in the first place to put themselves forward. So what we wanted to do was to go into areas where we know potential is there, but allow that potential to thrive. I listen and, and understand firsthand what they are going through, what they're enduring, just to be stood in front of me is a big challenge, uh, just to get to that point. So when I'm looking at them, I'm seeing my 11-year-old self. Yeah. I'm seeing that young girl who um, 
didn't even know what was available to her. Diane Medal, who is Manc number two, if you go back in the We Built This City episodes, has chosen to challenge the norm with her foundation. By creating support and opportunities for young people of this city, she helps them to reach their potential, not just in sport, but in all aspects of their life. The pandemic has already taken some opportunities away from the younger generation, but as the women of Manchester come together, there are chances to rebuild a bright future. My guest in episode 20, journalist Shalina Begum, reflects on her own chances as a young person and how she is spreading the seeds of development within her community. We still don't see enough brown faces and black faces on mainstream um, media. Mm. And I think we're still a a long way off. Um, If you take spinning fields, for example, when you're walking around spinning fields, you don't see much diversity in spinning fields, yet my side is only a mile down the road. And that seriously um, needs to change. I've always um, spoken in schools and speak to young Asian girls because I think that's where the learning needs to start, not in high school, but when they're seven, eight years in um, primary school, speaking to them about, you know, opening up their horizons and looking at going to university and looking at different careers, but not just speaking to young girls, but also speaking to their mums. Mm. Some of these mums don't realise. It's really funny. Um, quite often little girls ask me, Miss, Miss, are you rich? Because I think I must have got to where I am because I've had a wealthy family backing me. And that's not the case. When I tell them my story, they're like, oh, and it's not something that they would have thought. And not just saying that they should consider journalism as a career. For me, it's about them opening up their minds to consider a wide range of careers that, you know, they can be who they want to be. And all it takes is hard work, grit, determination. And um, when I speak to these mums, their mums as well, sometimes the mums can't even, you know, they've not even thought about the daughters going to university. Well, why not? You know, what are you scared about? And it's nice somebody, nice for them to speak to me and see that, oh yeah, you know, my, my daughter can do that. 17-year-old Emma Greenwood is youth MP for Berry, but that's not all. I'm going to list some of the other roles that you currently hold while studying, obviously in very challenging circumstances. So you're youth advisor for the co-op, the Environment Agency and the Greater Manchester Combined Authority. And you're a volunteer at Youth Strike Manchester and the UK Student Climate Network. So I can't believe that you're actually doing all of that, but have I missed anything out? Um, I'm helping. So in March, I was supposed to sit my GCSEs, but it just never happened. So I had a six month summer that I was like, what am I going to do? I'd never have, I'd never in my life had this long off school, never mind in a pandemic where you couldn't leave the house because we couldn't strike anymore. I was sort of, I had a fear that I'd just feel powerless again. And I'd sort of go back to the state that I was in before I got involved in environmental activism and activism as a whole. So I signed up to be part of Fridays for Future Digital, which is a worldwide collective, um, a, a branch of Fridays for Future, which is all around environmental activism. I'm one of the, I'm the outreach coordinator for that, for Fridays for Future Digital, and I have been since March of last year. We've managed to do campaigns around um, Defend the Defenders, so Indigenous rights. We've raised awareness around natural disasters, and it's around kind of the aim of the project is to around education because I think that's a big aspect that we've taken on activism during Covid is the fact of as soon as you educate people and you empower them when we kind of eventually get out there again and actually physically meeting people in person we hope we would have educated people more and hopefully get more support. It's incredible to find the young women of Greater Manchester who are choosing to challenge too. You'll hear more from Emma Greenwood in the coming weeks on We Built the City. 
Part of creating equality is stepping into spaces, changing how things are done and redefining expectations and stereotypes. Entrepreneur and restaurant owner Karina Jadav recognises the preconceptions she had to challenge when opening her highly successful bars, neighbourhood and menagerie. A lot of menagerie, and this isn't 100% isn't the way to open a business, but a lot of it for me was very cathartic and it was very much the headspace that I was in at the time. So it was aimed at women on purpose because for a business reason, but the neon signs and the quotes, you know, the Instagram moments within the restaurant, those were all things that I enjoyed and I enjoyed putting together and I enjoy using and I knew it had to be different and I knew everybody was watching to see if I would fail So I thought, well, if I'm going to do it, I've got to go in with a bang and put myself fully out there and see what happens. And it's not normal for restaurants to open and be aimed at women, which is such a weird thing to say. It's definitely changing. But in 2016, I'd say 90% of hospitality operations were aimed at men because the perception was that men spent more. The average spend would be higher for men. If it was women, you'd have to do it in volume. The average spend would be lower that's a massive misconception and it just shows that most operations were run by men and menagerie's definitely shown people that there was a massive you know consumer base that nobody was tapping into and that women should be taken seriously which they weren't being in hospitality at that point in time really when it comes to blazing a trail you can look no further than international events planner and consultant liz taylor this is one of my favorite stories of total mancunian swagger and blag so how do you blaze a trail you make it happen yourself. I got a phone call. It was an, it was another phone call. And young lady said that she was coming up to Manchester and she was looking at a venue because her, her boss was going to organize a charity event. And for some reason, I never asked her name. The call had been put through to me and the call had come through as a charity event. So I asked her, she, she was coming up the following day and I said, can I meet you? And she said, no, I've been given three companies to investigate and you're one of them. So I got into sort of chatting as I could and I said, where are you going? She said, well, I'm going to walk up to the Hilton. I've got a meeting there at 10 o'clock. So, well, if you're walking up to the Hilton, then you're walking up from Great John Street. She said, how do you know that? I said, because you don't really sound like a premier in type of girl. And she said, well, I would be walking up from Great John Street, but I can't get in. I said, okay, here's the deal. I'll get you the room at Great John Street. You meet me at the Hilton at 10 o'clock. I phoned up Tiffany, who was the director then of the hotel. I said, Tiff, I've got a hunch. Don't ask me what it is. I don't even know a bloody name. I said, but I need a comp room for tomorrow, for tonight or tomorrow night, whenever it was. She said, no problem. I phoned the girl back and I said, it's Liz here. I've got you the room. It's complimentary on the proviso that you meet me at 10 o'clock. And she was absolutely gobsmacked that I'd managed to get a comp room at a hotel that was supposedly full. And she said, yes, I'll meet you. And I said, what's your name? And she gave me her name. And I said, what's the event? She said, oh, it's for my boss, Gary Barlow. It's for children in need. Well, that was another slide to the floor moment, as you can well imagine. (laughs) Yes, I met her and uh, that was mega. And I went down to the first meeting was was in Gary's uh, recording studio. You know, I tried to be really cool in my black suits and, you know, (laughs) And we sat down and there were five of us. There were three from the BBC. There was him, there was his PA and there was myself. And he said, um, he said, I think we need a car, he said, to put in the auction. So somebody piped up. Yes, well, we've got a connection with Mini or Fiat or whatever it was. So, you know, Billy Big Shot here thought, I'm going to just 
pull this out of the bag. I'll worry about it afterwards. I said, no, 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 no. I said, I can get a Bentley. And he looked across at me, Gary, and he said, you what? I said, I can get a Bentley. He said, to auction. So I said, yes. And that was it. I got the Bentley. And uh, it went for a quarter of a million pounds. And we've been mates ever since. I think maybe because he wants a Bentley. I'm not sure. A free one. I don't know. But anyway, we've been mates ever since. So we've got a value at Roland Dransville, which is we mean business and we behave like we mean business. And I've actually never met anybody in my career who means business more than Liz Taylor. Often change comes because of past experience. Chef Mary Ellen McTague, who you'll hear in a future episode of We Built the City, experienced misogyny in the kitchens at the start of her career. The hotel that had also replied offered me a position in housekeeping at first. But I think I asked them probably twice a day when I was going to be going into the kitchen. So I ground them down after a few months and they let me in the kitchen there. I was the first woman ever in the, prop, the, like, the main kitchen there. They properly didn't know what to do with me. They couldn't speak to me. Like the head chefs had been there about 30 years. They couldn't look me in the eye and they couldn't speak to me directly for like for ages and ages. They just didn't know what to do. In her interview, you'll hear Mary Ellen talk about the inequality of treatment that she experienced throughout her career. But now in her own kitchens, Eat Well and the Creameries, she has the chance to challenge through changing culture. For... Probably the last 15 years of my sort of career as a chef, I've been either in a head chef position or more senior. So I've but I've had more influence over that culture than at any other point previous. I wouldn't say that I'm never autocratic or completely didactic or completely clear or feel like there needs to be really clear sort of structure and order in the kitchen. But there's that and then there's physically and verbally abusing people. And there's not respecting people. And, you know, there's, there's, they're two completely different things. So some elements of kitchen culture are important for running a service and for getting through a really busy day and for making sure that everyone knows what they're doing and can stay focused on what they're doing so you, you can do what you need to do. But all of that stuff can be done with respect and it can, it can be done without oppressive tactics and, and all that kind of thing. So that's the change that obviously I've, try to or have instigated in the kitchens that I've run. In and across Greater Manchester we see issues and choose not to be silent. We decide that with our collective voices we can stand up and put our two pennies in in the hope of change and reform. One woman who fought a corner for something she wanted to see changed is boxer Stacey Copeland. In the whole build up to the fight I'd had a photograph of the belt in my car, in my bedroom, at work, everywhere to keep me focused through my training. Um, so I had it with me and uh, we had the picture with it afterwards to make the point really that there hadn't been a belt because obviously it was a massive high winning but then to not get a belt was hugely disappointing I mean it's the whole point of doing it is to to get that belt and I think when you know when I got back on the on the Monday from Zimbabwe I fought on the Friday night when I got back on the Monday I rang the head of the Commonwealth Boxing Council and explained you know it'd been a great experience etc but not getting a belt was you know deeply disappointing and he explained that the manufacturers of the replica belt had ceased production. So I said, what's that got to do with me? To which he said, well, we do replica belts for women and real belts for men. So quite matter of fact, so I said, oh, why is that? So there's more money in men's boxing. I said, I know, but surely if it meant, 
you know, I wasn't going to have a, <laughs> the alternative was not having a belt. Surely I should have been given the option, even if it meant buying it with my own money, because I'm never going to get that moment back again. And I, I'd thought that the worst moment would have been that straight after the fight, not having that moment, me and my coach with that belt to celebrate. We're never, ever going to have pictures with that belt straight after in the ring, like everybody else has. I thought that would be the worst bit, but that, in fact, it wasn't. It was that everybody was so excited to see this belt back home and all mm -hmm. on social media and in my messages, they've been saying, you know, it's coming home, it's coming home, I can't mm -hmm. wait to see the belt. I just didn't have the heart to tell them there wasn't one. And when we got back to Manchester Airport, so many of mine and my coach's friends and family were there to surprise us and not having that belt to share with them in that moment was really, it was just, you know, that sinking feeling, yeah. uh, it hurt. But it also made me very angry that, you know, why should you be treated like a second-class citizen like that? So, you know, I said to him, you know, that, that's that gone. Nothing I can do to change it, but how quickly can I have a real belt? To which he said, um, well, you can have one within a couple of weeks, but they're quite expensive. So unless you've got a sugar daddy, you probably won't be able to have one. It's hard to put into words that burning sense of injustice that you feel. I mean, I worked full-time in a school at that point. I've worked throughout my sports career. I've had to, and, and I'm proud to have done so. Uh, so it felt that much more patronising to to say that. But again, we have to pick these, you know, these battles and the way we go about them. Uh, so I didn't say what I wanted to say, no. say that much, but uh, we kept the dialogue open and I didn't want this to happen to a future female champion. So they agreed to make a Commonwealth title belt for women. And we got the first one in December 2018 and now it's it's there. And that's that's part of what paving the way is really to make things better for the next generation. From one Manx sportswoman to another, doing it all with a positive mental attitude is Sarah Collins. I do back to netball. I love coaching back to netball. I love coaching back to netball because there are women who come. They've, they've seen the advert, come back to netball, come back to netball. And I'll say to the women at my sessions, ladies, ladies, put your hand up if you're new tonight. Put your hand up. Right, okay. Ladies, ladies, first of all, congratulations for getting here. Because we all know when we go home, go, I'll, I'll, start, I'll try that back to netball now. I've took my shoes off now. I've took my socks off. I've had my cup of tea. Da, 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 da. So to so even get to a session. But for these women, a lot of them are coming on their own. And they've not, when did you last play? School. Mm. What's that, 30 years ago? Yeah, amazing. Well done for getting out. And if you're listening to this going, I want to do that, but I'm too shy, too nervous, just do it. If you walk through a door and actually do some sport, congratulations to you, because getting there is harder than anything else sometimes in the world. It's harder than me getting out of bed for a nine o'clock phone call, um, alarm clock. Um, but the endorphins are, it's an actual high. The crew that I've got around me, the, the women that I have around me, I've got this crew called the PMA crew, which is positive <laughs> mental attitude. But I tell you what, this, this group of women, they are mint. Um, if you're in and around Manchester, you'll know half of them. And it's really interesting to, to anyone in Manchester who's, who's feeling they need some support. You never feel, I don't know if you do feel like that, but this, this crew just kind of came together. And we share everything. The strong women, you can jib in and jib out when you want to. And every now and again, you'll get a, can I have PMA, please? I've got an interview at this time. Can I have PMA, please? I'm going for some tests. I can have PMA. I'm going to a funeral. Can I have PMA? And then there's some ridiculous stories in there. I can't remember some of the funny stories, but there was one. And we, we worked out we can basically get talk to anyone that we want to talk because we're all so well connected. But the love in there is really, really good. And every now and again, you'll have a chat with one of the girls. I'll say, you need to put that in the PMA group. Because we'll listen, we're women, we understand. If it's the child thing, they've been there. There are women in that group that have been through everything. We all have collectively, so we all can. We can share, and there's nothing better than sharing a problem with someone who knows.
One of my little mottos that I love that you know because it's on my phone is, I can and I will watch me. That's Manchester all over. We can and we will watch us. In Manchester, we create change. All my guests and we built this city are legacy makers, past and present. We put in more than we get out for the generations ahead, planting the trees we'll never see. One thing I know to be true is that change is constant. It's slow and it's not easy. But the women of Manchester stand on the shoulders of women who have come before and in turn create the stage for the young women and girls around them. These women have helped to build this city by choosing to challenge, fighting for a better place for younger generations and by having a positive mental attitude. We can and we will, so watch us. We Built This City is out every Thursday when you'll hear from another incredible Greater Mancunian. If you want to find more out about Roland Ransel PR and you'd like some help in creating your legacy, please head to rdpr.co.uk for more information or give us a call on the same number we've had for 24 years, 0161 236 1122. Thank you and see you next time.